So today is, we call Yom Kippur. But actually in the Torah, if you read the uh, commandment in, in Hebrew, it's Yom Habikurim. And that means it's a day of atonements. Habikurim is, I'm sorry, well, when I say Kippurim, Kippurim is plural. So it's a day of many atonements, not just a single one. A day we look to, to God for the forgiveness of our sins. And for this reason, I think I want to spend some time thinking about many atonements. Most particularly, I'd like to think of, uh, us to think about forgiveness and its many dimensions. Because if it's a day of atonement, a day when we expect forgiveness, might it not also be a day when we are expected to forgive? You know, apart from love itself, which of course is the source of all goodness, forgiveness is the most important thing in the world. We all know the commandment of Messiah Yeshua who said, listen, if if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. He doesn't say if you do not love, you will not be loved. But he does say if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. So I thought we might spend a few minutes this morning, this afternoon, uh, talking about and examining forgiveness. And I'd like to do it examining the life of Joseph. So let's take a look at Joseph himself and all that he went through to learn a little something about forgiveness. The first thing I'd like us to recognize is that we cannot allow ourselves to be defined by those injuries we have not forgiven. See, all too often, this is the problem, and I've had the opportunity to speak to people for years and years and years about difficulties in their lives. And so often what has happened is something terrible happened to them once upon a time, perpetrated by someone else, which now defines their entire life. Joseph does not allow this to happen to him, you know? We're told that after his brothers had sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites and he was sold by the Ishmaelites into the Egyptians. We're told this. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who'd taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he owned He put him in charge. 
Joseph did not allow what happened to him on that brutal day when his own brothers cast him into a pit, leaving him there to die. And only through the mercy of Reuben was he allowed to come out and be sold into slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but that might make me a little upset. And I might remember that all the days of my life that I was an abused person, that I was sold into slavery. And not only that, but I was sold by the people who I should have been able to trust the most. Can you imagine the kind of damage that can do if you allow it? Could you ever trust anyone again? Could you ever feel good about yourself ever again? Could you ever hope to be anything ever again? But the scripture tells us that that's not what happened to Joseph. Joseph did not allow that to define him. Listen to this. Immediately after that statement, it says, So Joseph found favor in in his sight, and he became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. It then says, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I know, this is an introduction to the seduction of Potiphar's wife, that we should know that Joseph was a good-looking man. But there's more to it than that. You see, who did he resemble, is the question the rabbis ask. Why are we told this about Joseph's physical appearance? Well, we know what happened almost immediately thereafter. Potiphar's wife does try to seduce him. And he could have allowed that injury from the past to define this moment in his future. After all, he'd been taken advantage of. Why shouldn't he take advantage of someone else? Why shouldn't he break trust with the man who trusted him the most? You see, that's the, that's, the perpetual, that's the way sinfulness, unforgiveness is perpetuated from one generation to another. We perpetrate on those whom we have not forgiven the same crimes which are perpetuated on us. But Joseph, no. He does not do that. We're told he runs away from this woman and he will not submit to this crime. So what's the similarity between the father and the son? Uh, There are comments by the sages regarding Joseph's reaction to the seduction of Potiphar. It says, when she grabbed him by the clothing, at that moment, the image of his father appeared to him in the window. That's from the Talmud. The image of his father. In other words, right at that moment... He wasn't looking at the abused person. He was looking at his father. And I would argue he was looking at his heavenly father. And he saw the reflection in the window of his own reflection as the reflection of God. So we are not to be defined by those who have injured us, by the injuries themselves, but rather by the one who has created us. You see, when God offers us forgiveness, we are forgiven. 
And when we are forgiven, we can forgive. You see, don't be defined by the injuries you have suffered. Every one of us has. It's part of this fallen world, I know. Everyone has had someone who has done a terrible wrong to us. It's the unfortunate reality of this world. Maybe someone you trusted very much. Maybe might I go so far as to say that God has disappointed you. I don't know very many people whom God has not disappointed one time or another because our expectations are for the miraculous all the time. And so we can feel disappointed. But we should not be defined by those injuries that we have not forgiven. Rather, we should be defined by the one who has forgiven us. That's why we look to Messiah Yeshua. Find your identity in him. And then you can find the power of forgiveness. Or is he not the one who was rejected by his own and died for their sins? Today, and from that cross, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today we are all the forgiven. We are not defined by our unforgiveness. Secondly, forgiveness is an internal process. You know, Joseph had lots of time for reflection because immediately after the incident with Potiphar's wife, he was thrown in prison. Yet another opportunity for him to um, wallow in unforgiveness. But he doesn't. He immediately becomes someone in the prison who is trusted. He, he's uh, looked to for his industry and his intellect. He takes the situation that he has found himself in and he makes the best of it. He's not angry or upset. He looks to serve. So he went through a process, and I'm going to tell, there's a process that's described in the, in the book of Ephesians that I think all of us should reflect upon as we recognize the internal process of letting go of injury. I'm, saying, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I looked up the, uh, ident- the, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the definition of forgiveness in Wikipedia so you'll forgive me for that. But, but I found it to be an interesting one as I was searching for, an interest, for a helpful definition. And it said this. It said, forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitudes regarding an offense and lets go of negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well. This is a great definition. There are so many elements to this in the process of forgiveness that if you will do them, you will be free. It's the intentional and voluntary process. You see, there's no magic here. This is something that you have to say in your mind, I'm going to do it. And then go about it. 
by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings. Can you imagine that? You know, how do feelings change? Have you ever thought about that? How do you change a person's feel? You know, you sh- don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. Have you, ever, have you ever uttered those words? Don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. I'm telling you how you're supposed to feel. We have to change our attitude toward those who have injured us. And here's how we can do it, most especially. I want you to remember something about every single soul in this room. Everybody. No matter what you might think. They're all made in the image of God. You see? The other night, uh, a man asked a question in the, in, the, in the presidential debates. Maybe you saw it. The last question, you remember? Can you say anything nice about your opponent? And I thought about that answer. You know, I have my own political you know, persuasions. And as I was thinking about it and reflecting on uh, what I thought was probably the most astute question of the evening, I'm saying, now my, here's my answer. All people are made in the image of God and are worthy of God's best. That's what I would say about everyone. You see? If you can remember that, your feelings can change. If you can remember that and believe it, your feelings can change. And so you'll undergo a different feeling, different attitude in regard to the offense. Remember, you've probably offended somebody just as badly. So we're all in need of that change of attitude. And then it says, let go of negative emotions, such as vengefulness, with an increased ability to wish the offender well. If I remember that you're a child of God, and by the way, this doesn't go only for those who believe like I believe. This goes for every soul on this planet. That if I can believe that, I can have an increased ability to wish that person well, in spite of it all. So, secondly, it's an internal process. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, it says this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. You see, we're fully equipped. All that has to change is that the eyes of our hearts need to be enlightened with this information. And to know that our Messiah Yeshua has conquered all the evil in the world already. What you and I need to do is to appropriate that power. 
so we might live the life of Messiah Yeshua through our, through our lives. It's an internal process. Can you do it? Can you remember that everyone is worthy of forgiveness, even those who have done heinous, heinous things? Listen. If you're so interested in vengeance, don't worry. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll handle it. You live in peace with one another as much as it is possible. And then, I want you to know that your future should not be dictated by the past. My goodness. If only this could be the case for so many people who have been wounded in this world. In Genesis chapter 41, it says, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the divine spirit? This is after he, he interpreted Pharaoh's uh, dream. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there's no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage only in the throne. Will I be greater than you? You know, 15 minutes earlier, Joseph had been a slave in dungeon. And he might very well have stayed there had he been an e- a bitter man, beaten and destroyed by all the betrayals in his life. Because he had a positive attitude about every soul. Because he was a reflection of the Father. His destiny, his future, was not dictated by the evils that were found in his past. How much of your life has been misdirected because you cannot forgive? How many are still holding on to grudges that they cannot let go of? How much of your life might have been different if only you had been able to let go? We see in Joseph unlimited potential because he was a man who let go of his past, did not allow those things to define him, but rather allow his, the image of the Father in him, the Spirit of God in him, to be used to its ultimate potential. And as a result, he's the second man in the kingdom. And God will use him to save his people. And finally, forgiveness is a gift at the end of the healing process. At the end of the healing process. You remember it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. This is after he has his reconciliation. You remember? He, goes, he puts his little brothers, his brothers to the test to see if they're still immature fools. It's not for revenge's sake. He doesn't, make, he doesn't put them through that for that reason. He tests their maturity. Their readiness to be the patriarchs of God's great nation. And when it's all over, he sa- it says to us in Genesis 45, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come closer to me. 
and they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry. Brothers, I forgot about it a long time ago. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And because I was, you know, if he was commenting on it, he'd say, because I knew God and I knew his purposes for my life, I held no bitterness toward you. And I allowed God to use me for this day of deliverance. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve you, a remnant in the earth, to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. God had a great destiny. Forgiveness is a marvelous thing. It results in salvation. You see? So today is the day of forgiveness. We need to forgive people so that they can be released and so that we can be released. We. I saw a study that, said, that had these great benefits to forgiveness on a, law, a more human level. Forgiving unconditionally could mean a longer lifespan. And it gets you out of that angry mode. Do you ever feel that? I'm really angry. Or maybe when you see that person, anger rises up in you. It gets you out of that angry mode. According to this study, it helps your health across the board. even allows you to sleep better at night. And here's a big one. Making amends helps you forgive yourself. How many of us live with that? That we cannot even forgive ourselves. Your heart will be better off for it, according to this. Even your immune systems. And being forgiving, a forgiving person can protect you against long-term stress. My goodness, it's got, it's got all good things, just for you. Ketan Airburn, in his uh, marvelous book, Make Me an Instrument of Your Peace, said this about forgiveness. He said, but most of all, it makes us one with the human family and allows us to live in the sunlight of the present, not the darkness of the past. Forgiveness alone of all our human actions opens up the world to the miracle of infinite possibility. And that perhaps is the closest we can come in our humble human fashion to the divine act of bestowing grace. Is there someone you need to forgive today? God is forgiving us on Yom HaKippurim, the day of forgivenesses. I can stretch a term. Each one of us has someone to forgive. May God grant us the grace that we can forgive. Amen.
Lord, we just bless you that you are a God of forgiveness who has overlooked our sin. Indeed, you made atonement for us. We did not have to ask your forgiveness. You forgave us. While we were yet your enemies, the Messiah came and died at the right time. While we were your enemies. And now, O Lord, help us to have the same grace that you have shown us. So that we ourselves might be set free. There is freedom. There is deliverance. There is salvation in forgiveness. Amen.